Welcome to Inside the Match, where Alex and Simone talk residency applications. We are two residents here to help you navigate the match. For each podcast, we'll bring you residents from various specialties and backgrounds to give advice. So today we are super excited to have Catherine join us. She is an incoming internal medicine resident. So thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on. So we'd like to start our podcast with some rapid fire questions. So were you AOA? I was not. Were you gold humanism? No. Were you involved in any specialty clubs as leaders in medical school? Yes, I was the president of the OBGYN interest group. And were you involved in research during medical school? Uh, Yes, a few projects. So you went through the SOAP process and you were so open about it on social media, which was so admirable. And I would love you for you to briefly explain how the SOAP process works. So SOAP is um, kind of a mess. (laughs) Um, Every year um, when students find out on the week, the Monday of um, match week, whether or not they matched, there's a good subset of people who find out that they don't match and then they go through what's called the SOAP process. Um, And it stands for something I don't remember. (laughs) Um, And basically what happens is um, that first day, at least from my school, I got a call before the emails went out about the match from um, my Dean of Student uh, Affairs. And she told me that I didn't match, unfortunately. And um, depending on one school, they might end up going to their school and working with the support that they might have. They might be from home um, to prepare their application. Um, So on Monday, um, really quickly, you have to revamp your application. Um, That includes possibly fixing um, personal statements, possibly getting new letters or um, having your letter writers edit them. and whatnot. And then you get um, a list of all of the programs that have open spots. And you can apply to 45 max programs um, that have open spots. And that kind of happens depending on if AAMC, if the ERAS system is working. For me this year, it crashed. So the applications didn't go out into the programs until the next morning. And then basically Tuesday into Wednesday, you start getting all of these calls. Um, I did a few Zoom interviews, but most of the time I was just getting calls and some of them were at seven in the morning and some of them were you know, eight, 9 p.m. Um, from programs, you do a quick interview. Some, some, they may only ask you a few questions. Some may be a more formal interview. Um, and then on Wednesday, um, the, the offer rounds start. So there are four offer rounds, two on Wednesday and two on Thursday. Um, the, you, with every one, kind of what happens is the spots get filled up. Um, some people don't get offers the first round and then they might get an offer the second round and then it continues on until the fourth round. Um, I was lucky I got and I got three offers the first round, um, but I know some people who didn't get any offers at all du- during SOAP. And after that is what's called the scramble, which is basically just 
there's a list of, that everybody gets who has to scramble of programs that are still unfilled. Um, and online there's programs, you know, openings being posted and people are just call, cold calling and emailing programs to try to get a spot. So it's really crazy and it is very daunting going into it. Definitely. That was a great synopsis of the soap and the scramble. And, you know, it can seem overwhelming, especially, you know, similar to you when you apply OB-GYN, but have to figure out what types of programs and new specialties that you want to match into. Yeah. And so do you have any tips for people when they choose the program or the specialty when they're actually applying in the soap? Yeah. So um, I think one thing to keep in mind is that there's prelim spots, so preliminary spots, which is just for intern year. And then there's categorical spots, which is the entire um, residency program. And that goes with applying to the regular match as well. Um, but when it comes to the SOAP, um, if somebody is completely unmatched, then they might apply to one or the other. Um, if somebody still wants to go into a specific specialty, they might just do a prelim year in either medicine um, or in surgery. And then they have to go through this match process again next year. Or then there's the categorical one um, where you're just applying and you're saying, I'm done. And that's kind of what I did. I decided I didn't want to go through this match process again. It's months and months and it's thousands of dollars and I was tired. Um, I, so for me, it was a good decision. For some people it's not. And I think it's a very personal decision. Um, some schools and some administrations might push you to do categorical because I mean, that's the safest solution is to try to soap into a categorical spot. Um, it's also looks better for them. Like, I'm just gonna be honest, it looks better for them but it really should be a personal decision. Do you, are you willing to go through the match process again, be a reapplicant, which again, in terms of things on your application, it doesn't necessarily look great that you didn't match the first time, but you, this is also a chance for you to prove yourself more and say, hey, if I can do really, really well in a surgical uh, prelim year, then, you know, hey, I would be great in OBGYN or I would be great in surgery. Um, or are you just like me and you're done? And I would be totally okay with um, doing three years of internal medicine. Um, and then other things for me, for OB-GYN, a lot of people asked me why I wasn't doing family medicine. And when it comes to choosing a specialty, a new one in a short amount of time is you have to kind of think about where you could see yourself. Family medicine, tends to be more outpatient. Internal medicine has more opportunities for fellowship and for inpatient medicine. Um, so things like that can uh, play. And then um, there might be some, like a few, those are family medicine and internal medicine have the most spots open and that's why I'm referencing them. But there might be a few spots in like anesthesia, which is what happened this past year. Um, you know, I think it would be cool to go into anesthesia, but the reality is, is that there are probably people from anesthesia who didn't match, who have anest really anesthesia heavy applications. And so they're more likely to get interviews and positions for those. And to, you know, do you really want to waste, you know, five or six tokens out of your 45 on just a random chance, like, 
going into anesthesia when they're less likely to give you interviews. So those are kind of the biggest things that I felt like I had to keep in consideration. Those are great ways for us to consider the application because you do have to realize there are a lot of people going through the soap and there are a lot of strong applicants and you are going to make an amazing physician in internal medicine and people are going to admire you and be so grateful that you are their physician. So I'm so glad that you found a position in a categorical internal medicine program. Thank you. So speaking of the application, there are so many worries when we have such limited time to get everything Mm -hmm. together. So I'm curious if you changed your personal statement and got additional letters of recommendation when applying for the SOAP. So I was very lucky. So when I went to my school after I got that call, um, we were each paired with somebody. So I actually there was a um, a fourth year OBGYN resident there that I had worked with in the past. And she actually rewrote three different versions of my personal statement. Most people didn't get that. And so most people do have to rewrite their personal statement themselves. I was very lucky um, that I didn't, but my personal statement was very geared towards OBGYN. And so now I had to change it um, so that it would be geared towards medicine. And so she really helped me with that. Um, It was in essence, the same personal statement. We just tweaked a few things so that it wouldn't read like it's for an OBGYN application. They're honestly not expecting you to write, you know, the best personal statement of your life when it comes to soaping. (laughs) Um, Programs are also scrambling too, because um, they're trying to fill their positions. And in my case, the program I soaped into, they I checked, they haven't soaped in years and years. So they were kind of freaking out too. So I don't think they were too concerned about my personal statement and being perfect. Um, and then again, my letters of recommendation were tailored towards OBGYN. And I was able to get um, out of my three letter writers, two of them were available and completely rewrote or they they edited my um and re-uploaded my letters and then I got another letter um from a SICU attending that I had worked with um so even though my other two were OBGYN and it was a SICU for medicine it was still fine um those are great ideas and you know what is amazing to me is you must have had constant connection with these people and you must have been able to email them and feel comfortable that they would respond right away. So it just really shows that you need to be in communication Mm -hmm. with those that are a part of your application because you never know in what ways you could get them to help you in a limited time period. Exactly. And having contacts too. Um, So like one of my letter writers, she doesn't really check her email but um, we got one of the OBGYN attendings to call her. So that was really That's cool. so cool. And, you know, another thing that I loved is as I was following you on Instagram and as you were telling your story about the week, you showed that not only were, you know, you doing this with the support of those that were writing your letters and your school, but you also had your family and friends mm-hmm. involved in the process as well. And I'm curious if there are ways in which family and friends can be involved, because sometimes in these scenarios, people aren't sure how to help or what to do mm-hmm. and what can actually be useful when you're going through this awfully stressful week? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me was keeping me fed. Um, I was, I didn't feel like a person until I got that offer on Wednesday. 
And um, I think my husband felt the same way um, because he's, you know, home with me and he's seeing it. Um, and he was here when I got the call as well. He happened to be off that week, which was really convenient. Um, and he cooked. Um, I had friends bring me food. Um, so, you know, shout out to my friends, Priya and Jason, who like physically brought me food. Um, some of my friends, like my friend Sarah, sent me money. Um, honestly, Janelle on here, Anjali on here, she sent me money as well. And it was just like really sweet, even like $10. Um, it's not like I can't afford my own food, but like, I feel like that pushed me to keep eating. It's so true. And, you know, it's always doing something that action, not asking, you know, what we can do to help, um, but actually just taking initiative and helping out someone who's in this stressful situation is really important. So just reach out um, to those going through this situation because it is not easy. You have spent all medical school excited about the possibility of match day and then to come through with knowing that you are unmatched, trying to find that spot is excitingly stressful. Um, your adrenaline is running because you want to match, but it's not an easy process. Not at all. So, you know, some people are a little bit weary about the interviews for the soap. And you told us that they're so varied, somewhere on Zoom, somewhere over the phone. And I'm curious if there are ways to prepare for the soap in advance if you're a little worried about not matching. I think the only real way to prepare is to just, you know, be ready to, I guess, handle it like you would an emergency. Um, you know, if your patient's coding, for example, you're not going to sit there and like cry about it. Um, during soap week, there isn't really much time to process it. And it's unfortunate that we have to go, go, go. I wish they told us if we matched or not like a day before the whole process started, but we don't get that pleasure. So be, just be ready to go. If you have to get it done, it's a few days. And if you, you know, you're going to make it through and then relax and let it all out then. And you found a spot in the soap and some people find a spot in the scramble, but others are not as lucky. And I'm curious if you have any advice for applicants that don't find spots in the match and are planning on reapplying in the future. I think um, definitely talking to your school. Um, there are a lot of people who will just delay graduation and they'll do, um, uh, different rotations and whatnot to add to their application, even if they're applying to a different, less competitive specialty. Um, like, for example, if they're applying to ortho, um, ortho is really hard to match into. But if they don't match in and they don't scram or they don't soap or scramble, um, it might help to not graduate because if you actually look at the data for matching, it's a lot better to match as a fourth year or like an MD or DO senior than it is to match as somebody who already graduated. That's really interesting. And then, you know, what about degrees? Um, do you find that people are more interested in applicants who may have like an MPH or an MBA or those things that you had considered when you were figuring out what you could have done if you weren't um, able to match? Um, I think that's definitely an option, but I don't, from what I gather, residency programs don't care so much for master's and other degrees. Um, they tend to care more about just your medical degree than anything else. 
That's super useful to think about. It really makes you recognize that those support systems and mechanisms that allow you to match during the soap and scramble week are ideal. And then if you're unable to find a spot, your medical school, some, uh, you know, an organization that you've paid a lot of money to can be a really good mm -hmm. asset and resource to take advantage of. Yeah. And I know that, you know, this is not an option for everybody. Um, I'm constantly lurking on Reddit and people will say that their school is not allowing them to delay graduation. Um, in that case, I think it's important to find out what the discrepancy in the application is, which can be hard because, you know, I've poured through my application. I went through it with multiple people and there was no reason for me not to match. And I know that there are multiple, like, people that I personally know and many other people that I don't know that this happens to. You just fall through the cracks and it sucks. Um, so sometimes you just have to find something else to do in the meantime, whether it's working at, as that, some people will go to Missouri and you can practice almost at the level of a PA without doing residency or working with physicians and um, maybe doing research or doing other things to just keep in the game and then reapplying. Those are all great suggestions and ways to be able to improve an application over the next year. And you've given us so many tips in regards to the SOAP and scramble process. And we appreciate you sharing your own journey through this and showcasing how much you put into it and how exciting um, it is that you are going to be going to the program in Connecticut in July. So I would like to give you an opportunity to share any other guidance or tips that you have in regards to this entire application process and journey. I think my biggest tips are to just take care of yourself. Um, I think I've learned, especially after taking step one, that not taking your, the care of yourself, and this is, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, is really, really bad for your health. So take care of yourself. And even during the soap, you know, it was a few days, and I definitely was not taking care of myself those few days. But um, during the entire match season, I really tried my best to exercise and to read and to do things that I enjoyed um, as much as I could in my free time. Well, mental health is key, whether you're a medical student, a resident, or anywhere along the process and journey in medicine, burnout happens. Burnout is common. And no matter where you are throughout these stages, it's important to care for yourself, for your mental and your physical health. Yeah. And especially doing all these interviews, um, even, you know, despite the misconception, um, Zoom interviews are very exhausting. That is true. Well, Catherine, you've given us so much information to consider, and we so appreciate you coming on. But the one last thing that is most important is always fun. And that's Catherine, can you share a fun fact about yourself? Yes, um, I, I feel like I collect hobbies a lot. Um, so I, I share it all the time on Instagram. So I'm always doing something different. So embroidery, um, needle felting, I read a lot of books, um, especially now that I'm off. Um, but I feel like that's, it just keeps me entertained. I cannot sit still. I, you guys will not ever see me watch TV without also doing another project. <laughs> Well, that brings me to the fact that if you want to see all the cool projects that you're working on, follow Dr. Cat 28 on Instagram and you'll learn all about the journey through medicine and all the cool things that Catherine's involved in. 
Well, that's all the time we have today with Catherine. Thanks for joining us at Inside the Match. Special thanks to Kevin McCloyd for the music and be sure to follow or subscribe to our podcast. Catch our next podcast to learn more application tips and hear from another awesome resident or leader in medical education. 